0: Matthew chapter 5. And I have to say, uh, I think, and I don't say things like this very often, and I don't say things like this lightly, but I think this is about as shocking a statement as there is in the Bible. What we're about to read today is, knock your socks off, shocking. Like, I can't believe Jesus said that, shocking. Shocking. And part of the reason is, I think we receive this as so incredibly uh, unbelievable, is because it is so different than our culture. Few things in the Bible go head to head with our culture as this passage. Let me pray. Lord, we need you to speak to us in this text. Lord, this is such an important life and death, heaven and hell issue that we just need you. So Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. We need you to do this this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 5. Before I, I guess before I, uh, I had to remember to say this, remember before we read this, I want you to remember what we've talked about in past series. So we spent several weeks going over again and again and again the idea that Jesus is for your happiness. This is why Jesus starts out with the Beatitudes. Blessed, 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 at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is for your happiness. So think of this like if you had a kid, would you want them to be happy? And I think all of you would say yes. And what you mean by that is not necessarily sugar high happiness, but what you mean by that is well being. What you mean by that is flourishing. What you mean by that is a whole person. This is what Jesus wants for you. He wants happiness for you, which is flourishing, wholeness, and well-being. So please keep this in mind as we read this text this morning. Because I think as we read this text this morning, you're going to be doubting that statement on top that we tried to establish at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount with the blessed. Okay, so here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard it said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So that's the seventh commandment. And of course, they had, they had taught on that and Jesus says, you've heard that and the way that the Pharisees and the scribes had interpreted that is as long as you don't commit the act, you're good. And Jesus says, well... Let's think a little deeper about this. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, the Greek word there could mean to covet. You look at her and you say, I want that. You look at her and say, I wish I had that. You look at her and say, I would if I could. You look at her with the purpose of desiring. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent... I mean, there's entire industries built on that. Like, all of advertising, seems like, is built on that. You see where our cultural situation is in regards to Jesus' teaching here, how shocking and and crazy this is? But anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, and I think it could go the other way, too, if a woman looks at a man or whatever, with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says, it's not, it's about your heart. It's about your heart, it's about your heart, it's about your heart. So, I use the example the first week when, as we're going through the light of the world and Jesus' difference between the scribes and the Pharisees. and we, I use the example of like, if I say to my kids, stop hitting each other. And so instead of hitting each other, they start kicking each other. And they say, guys, I told you to stop hitting each other. And they say, dad, we're not hitting each other. We're kicking each other. And I'd say, Guys, you're missing what I'm saying. And this is, I think, what Jesus is saying that the scribes and the Pharisees did. He, so they, he says, stop committing adultery. And they're like, well, we're not committing adultery. We're just looking. And Jesus says, you're missing what the Bible is saying about sexual purity and sexual sin. So Jesus is trying to get down. Well, he doesn't try to do anything. Jesus does whatever he wants. Jesus is getting down. Whether or not we'll go with him is another question, but Jesus is getting down to heart level. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin. So I just want to just stop and read this line by line. And think about exactly what Jesus is saying. But if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. So I thought, if I was going to tear out my right eye, what? Would, how would I do that? So, I mean, this would be an option right? Like you'd have to get your eye real open because you wouldn't want your eyelid in the way. I mean, no point in damaging your eyelid. You're going to need that to cover up the socket in just a little bit. So maybe you'd even have to hold your eye open, get the thing in there, and just try to try to, yeah! And, and, okay, okay. So then it's, you know, your eyeball is a slippery, round, bleeding orb, but it's still attached by the optic nerve. So how would you detach it from the optic nerve? This might surprise you, but I'm not a surgeon and I have no idea. But I would probably bite it. Just so, so you got your eyeball hanging by the optic nerve and you put it in your mouth and you go, go, ah, ah, and nerves hurt. So now you're holding your detached, torn out eyeball. And Jesus is like, you know what? You're half done. Because you're not done yet, tear it out and throw it as far as you can into the tall grass. Because you're going to be tempted to try to go get it. So you take it and you just wing it. I mean, you could also use salad tongs. I was thinking about maybe salad tongs would be a better option. You know, and then you just pop it once. And maybe. I just want you to feel how extreme this is. We'll talk about that in a second. If your right eye caused you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better. Why don't you read the yellow part with me? For it is better. It is better that you lose one of your members, so members thinking of parts of your body, members of your body are like your fingers or your right eye, then that your whole body be thrown into hell. It's kind of like if you have one part of you that has gangrene, better to cut it off and lose your whole body. If, part, if one of you, if a part of you, better, better to cut something off that's really important to you than the whole body go into hell. What does Jesus mean by hell? Well, it's, this is a Greek word, Gehenna, um, and that's, that's what the Greek word looks like up there. It is derived from the Hebrew phrase meaning the Valley of Hinnon, when you can go to the Valley of Hinnon today. It's a ravine running along the south side of Jerusalem in a place where rubbish from the city was constantly being burned. And over the centuries, as as this was the garbage heap that was always on fire outside the city, the Jewish people thought that's probably what hell is like. This dark, smoky, stinky place that no one ever wants to go. It's always on fire. Jesus says it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to have your whole body thrown into the garbage heap that's always on fire outside the city. That's a picture of hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Alright, so I thought, okay, if I was going to cut off my right hand, what are my options? Well, at my house, I don't have a lot of tools, but I guess I'd have to do it left-handed, you know, if I was going to cut off my right hand and I thought, That would take a long time. That'd be be awful. Better, maybe, to use a sawzall. And I have a wood blade handy. I don't know what kind of sawzall, would a metal blade be better or would a wood blade be better? I heard different things. And so I thought, OK, imagine well, I guess I guess it' have to be this way. Uh, I don't know if I could do a straight cut. So maybe that would be a bad idea. So I thought, well, maybe a circular saw be a better option. Can you imagine? That would not take long and it would be a pretty straight cut. Can I get a volunteer? (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But after you've cut it off, you're only half done. Then what should you do? You should pick it up and throw it as far as you can. For it is better, read that with me, for it is better than you lose one of your members, you lose a body part, than that your whole body go into hell. Okay, a couple things on this. First, Jesus said, this is Jesus. I hear people talk about the merciful teachings of Jesus. I'm like, have you read him? Now, there are times when he's mercy, merciful, but this is, like, this is pretty bracing. And I think this is merciful because it's telling you how to deal with sexual sin. And that is a mercy to know how to deal with it. But he says, hell is for your whole body. Don't miss that. Hell is for your whole body. Jesus is really warning you. He's not holding back anything from you. He's telling you the whole truth. Hell is for your whole body. There are other places in Matthew that he talks about hell, and this will be important in just a little bit. But he talks about hell like an outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He does this three different times. He also says that hell is like fire. Earlier in this text, he says hell is like fire. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, says, um, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And then, of course, Revelation twenty-fifteen talks about hell being like a lake of fire. So, What I had already mentioned was that hell is also talked about like the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And those are the references for that. Hell being like an outer darkness. So three things I want you to remember about hell from this text. It's fire, we just saw that one. And it's an outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what should we say about this text as a whole? Well, it is I think I hope, really really painfully obvious what Jesus is saying is you need to stop sexually sinning. He is for your happiness so he says to you stop sexually sinning. Stop. And I think the idea with our illustrations here of how would you cut out your eye or how would you cut off your hand, I think what Jesus is saying is half measures will not work with sexual sin. Half measures will not work. Kind of trying will not work. I just want you to know that Jesus is not saying literally to cut out your eye because you can still lust with your other eye. I mean, if you stop sinning with one eye, you've always got the other one. If you stop sinning with one hand, you've always got the other one. And if you, stop, if you cut them all off, let's say you cut off both your arms, your legs, and gouge out both your eyes, you can still lust in your imagination. So, I think what Jesus is saying here is spare nothing to win the victory over sin. If it's as important as your right eye, and your right eye is really important, sacrifice it to win this victory. If it's as important as your right hand, and what's more important than your right hand? It is not worth keeping sin in your life. But there's part of you going, I see that, but I'm not sure I want to stop sexually sinning yet. I think part of us likes likes to struggle against sexual sin and say we're struggling with sexual sin, but that implies we're going to keep it around so we can struggle with it a little bit longer because we're not really ready to be done with it yet. Here's what Jesus is saying. All sin, including sexual sin, leads to hell. That's, that's kind of bracing. <laughs> this is what Jesus is saying. All sin, including sexual sin, leads to hell. So how? Well, think of it this way. Sin, all sin, but especially sexual sin, promises satisfaction. Like, just do this and you'll be satisfied. Just do this and you'll be happy. Just do this and you'll finally have enough and you won't have to do it anymore. Sin promises satisfaction. But sin is like a, he- like a fire. Like hell is like a fire. And the way to put out a fire is not to keep feeding it. You don't put out a fire by putting more wood on it. You don't put out sexual desire by continuing to gratify it, continuing to give to it. You're not going to stop lusting by giving in to lust. You'll just get bigger and stronger and darker and have more control over your life like a fire, like hell. Another promise that sin makes us, especially sexual sin, is that, look, you'll be less lonely if you do this. You're lonely anyway. You might as well do this, and then you'll be less lonely. That's a lie. Sin is like hell. It is the outer darkness, Eventually, you end up more lonely. Eventually, you end up more isolated. Eventually, you end up more out in the dark by yourself. And you end up more ashamed. So you have this shame which leads to sin, which leads to more isolation, which leads to more shame, which leads to more sin. And this this is this terrible cycle. Sin promises that it's satisfying. And of course, it's like a fire. It's never satisfied. Sin promises that you'll feel less lonely, but it leads to more loneliness. It's like the outer darkness of hell. Sin promises that it will bring you joy and pleasure. And of course, that's true for a while. But that's not where it ends up. It ends up in weeping and gnashing of teeth. With terrible regrets. soul-crushing regrets. Sin leads to hell in this life and the next. And so Jesus uses language and talks about this in ways that are incredibly shocking and bracing because he wants us to know and believe and feel there are no half measures that will work with sin. Sin is not something you play around with, it's not something you dally with, it's something you put to death. But, there's part of us going, well, it was probably a lot easier back then. It's probably a lot, you know, there's probably, we're in a different place now. We're, we're surrounded by sexual sin. How are you going to live without sexually sinning? Like, it's just, you know, if I had a phone up here, I'd hold it up and like, how hard is it to not sin with one of these in your pocket? You know, how hard is it? to not sin with the screens all around us? How hard is it to not sin with the way people dress nowadays or the way they this or the way they that or you know whatever, whatever your reason is? Well, Jesus said, it is better for you to be culturally maimed than be cast into hell. It's better. So, what that means is, there's probably going to be books that you never read, because they don't lead you down a good path. There's going to, for more of us, there's going to be shows that we don't watch, there's going to be movies we never see, because they take us to a bad spot. There's going to be places we don't go and things we don't do. And it's going to be super embarrassing. People are going to be like, hey, have you seen? And we're going to say no. And they're like, well, why? And there's just going to be conversations we're not part of, and it's going to be, we're going to feel left out. And that is so much better. That is so much better than being a slave to sexual sin. There's going to be choices we make, like we're going to have to delete apps from our phone. We might have to switch phones. We might have to go back to a dumb phone. We might have to not have access to the home computer and have someone else log onto it before we get onto it. We might have to take drastic measures. But Jesus was fine with drastic measures. These are better than staying addicted. You know, I mean, if you—I mean, this just makes sense, right? If you're trying to smit, if you're trying to quit smoking, you've quit smoking and you're done with it. You don't go out and stand in the smoker's circle at work and just breathe in and kind of try to enjoy it that way. That's not a strategy to keep quitting. If you've quit gambling and you're like, I'm done with this. I hate this. We've lost a lot of money. I'm done. You don't just go sit in the casino and listen to the slots and go, oh, this is really enjoyable. I really like this. That's not a strategy to keep quitting. You don't do that. Why would this be different? So why? Stop. Because sin leads to hell. And it's gonna require cultural maiming. Like we're we're gonna be different than the culture. And sometimes it's gonna be embarrassing. Well, why don't you have a smartphone anymore? There's things you can't hide, kinda of like if you cut your right eye out or cut your right hand off. This it's just hard to hide some stuff. So how, how do you do this? Because I think there's a lot of people going, well, I want to, but I don't know. How, like, I can't. I can't. Well, welcome. You're ready for the gospel. Welcome. You're in the right spot. Around the right people if you're going, I can't do this. What Jesus' disciples have always done is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, And Jesus went up on the mountain and sat down, and his disciples came to him. Here's what you should do. You should go to Jesus. Go to Jesus and ask for help. Plead with him for help. And I know, listen, I know there's some of us going, I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that. And Jesus doesn't take it away. C.S. Lewis writes about this in Mere Christianity, and he says you must ask for God's help. This is not something you're going to do by yourself. This is why we have the rest of the story. It's why we have the crucifixion and the resurrection and the Great Commission. It's why we have the whole thing, because we need God's help. Even When you have done so, ask for God's help. It may seem for you, may seem to you for a long time that no help or less help than you need is being given. Does that ring true to anybody else? Even when you ask for help, God doesn't seem to help enough. Not as much as you want Him to. Never mind. After each failure, ask forgiveness and pick yourself up and try again. Very often, what God first helps us towards is not the virtue itself, sexual obedience, but just this power of always trying again. What if that is the bigger issue? Not that the other isn't a big issue. I mean, it leads to hell. For however important sexual obedience, he uses the word chastity, I didn't know if we all know what chastity is, so I use the word sexual obedience, or courage, or truthfulness, or any other virtue may be, this process trains us in habits of the soul which are more important still. It cures our illusions about ourselves and teaches us to depend on God. So, before we really struggle with this, we might think, well, I have a lot of self-control. I, I can quit anytime I want to. I, you know, I, I'm in... I could stop. Okay, well, go ahead and try. When you can't, your illusions about yourself will be cured, and you'll learn to depend on the Lord. And what C.S. Lewis is writing is, this was God's goal all along, to help you depend on Him. We'll get to the virtue, but first you learn to depend on him. We learn, on the one hand, that we cannot trust ourselves even in our best moments, because we have an incredible propensity to sin. And on the other, that we need not despair even in our worst, for our failures are forgiven. The only fatal thing... Man... if I could could do something nuts to get your attention, like running power tools or like, this this is the one I'd want you to see. The only fatal thing is to sit down content with anything less than perfection. Perfection is what Jesus has called us to. The only fatal thing is to give up The only fatal thing is to say, oh, I guess this is just how I am. I guess this is just part of life. I guess there's nothing I can do about this. Jesus is for you. He loves you with laying down his life love. He loves you with dying on the cross love. He is for your well being. He is for your flourishing. And He is for your joy. And He is telling you, in no uncertain terms, this is an area that demands obedience. No half measures will do. Give Him your full obedience. Let's turn the lights off, Michael. Yeah, even the light's up here. You think of darkness. Yeah, I don't know if we can turn all the lights off all the way. You think of darkness as... where most people live. Darkness would help people believe the lie that there won't be consequences for what you're doing. Because after all, no one can see. It's in the dark, no one can see. Darkness would tell people, just give in to your desires. No matter what they are, no matter where they lead, just give in. Darkness would tell you again and again, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. No one will know. But darkness is awfully isolating. Jesus described hell as the outer darkness. And What Jesus said about you is that you are different. That might be what the rest of the world is like. The rest of the world might be trying to believe the lie that nothing bad will ever happen The rest of the world might be trying to believe that there are no consequences. The rest of the world might have all these confused ideas, but he says, you are different. You are Jesus different because you are the light of the world. And Because you are the light of the world, you won't have to hide anything. Sexually, you'll have nothing to hide. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You'll have no, no path, no tracks to try to cover up. You'll have no desires that you are a straight-up slave to. You won't always be worried about being found out. but you'll live in the light, because he is the light he's making you the light of the world. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us depend on you and look to you for hope and strength and help. Lord, I pray that you would help us learn to confess our sins and learn that we, in and of ourselves, are weak and constantly... Fall into sin. But help us trust you. Help us look to you for strength and leading. Lord, teach us obedience. Give us strength to follow you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.